Welcome to this edition of Scope It Out, the official podcast of the International Forum of Allergy and Rhinology. I'm your host for this episode, Mark Dubin from Baltimore, Maryland. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Dave Petker from the Medical College of Wisconsin. We'll be discussing his IFAR article, Oral Corticosteroid Use and the Risk of Developing Avascular Necrosis, a large retrospective review, which was published in September 2021. Welcome, Dave, and congratulations to you and your co-authors on the paper. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it, and I appreciate you having me tonight. Thanks, Dave. So let's start with why I chose this article. I chose it not only because you cited the last scholarly thing I published back in 2007, but also because I have heard you lecture eloquently on this topic on several occasions and have found your insights on the subject to be outstanding, in addition to your normal level of entertainment afforded with a normal conversation with you. Most importantly, however, as both people listening to this, excluding my mother, consistently utilize oral steroids for the treatment of sinonasal inflammation, it is critical to understand the risks. Furthermore, it's also frequently cited that lack of informed consent for the use of oral steroids is one of the most common medical legal issues in the field of otolaryngology, thereby making awareness of the true dreaded complication of AVN critical. So with that as background, I'd like to start with asking you what interested you in this specific topic. Well, a lot of things, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, we use this a lot, and I think it's critical to, uh, to treat the patients. Um, but, uh, early on and probably about 2007 or so when you wrote that paper and I read it and, and saw how many people are using steroids and, and the vast, uh, uh, difference in the dosing that is used, it just got me thinking, well, you know, what are the risks? And, and, um, and over the years, I've had many conversations with different specialists and you talk to a rheumatologist or you talk to a pulmonologist and they think, well, what's the big deal? You know, but it occurred to me that it's all about a, a cost benefit ratio and, and, and they're talking about bad asthma attacks that may kill somebody. You know, we're talking about stuffy noses. And so I think it's important that that we have a better understanding of what these risks truly are and uh, and and can educate our patients and help them make informed decisions about them. So that's what's gotten me interested over the years. And it's just been kind of a, a steady progression. Uh, but uh, but doing this research is difficult because there's not a lot of great data out there and not a lot of great ways to, uh, to harness what is available. So I do, I, have you ever had a patient get avascular necrosis from a prescription that you've prescribed or have anyone come in who's had it, you know, not from what you've prescribed? Yeah, I had I had one patient. And he had uh, bilateral um, uh, AVN in his hips, requiring uh, hip replacements. Actually, but he had um, uh, leukemia, and so he was getting really high doses of steroids from that. Uh, but you know, again, getting back to the cost benefit ratio, is either that or you know, die from your cancer. So uh, so he was okay with it. He wasn't thrilled. You know, he, he had been a runner and things. And so that changed his quality of life. But, uh, but he's the only person that I've seen over the years. And, and to my knowledge, no one that I've given steroids to has developed it. Yeah. I had one patient who was a young woman. Um, fortunately, I wasn't for me, I wasn't the one who prescribed it, but she was prescribed it for asthma, you know, in her, they're otherwise relatively healthy. I mean, I don't remember the details, but I do remember her relatively healthy, you know, young woman who, you know, developed AVN from, you know, of course, steroids for her asthma. Um, 
you know, uh, she did okay. But uh, anyway, so it, 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 it does, it does happen and you prescribe enough steroids and you will, you will come across people. You will come across people who have, it, and I'm sure pretty much everyone listening who's been doing this long enough, you know, ha- has come across it. Um, so back to, back to the article. Uh, so, you know, you list, obviously we, we, we all know that, you know, obviously aviascular necrosis is not the only side effect, you know, just for educational purposes. What, what were the, you know, some of the other adverse effects that are associated with steroids that you, you also, you know, looked at or, or reviewed in, you know, in, the, in your manual, in your article? Yeah, I think, I think the most important one to, to mention to patients is uh, the psychiatric effects and, and uh, the chances of people having some uh, mood changes or some irritability or insomnia is really quite high probably, you know, somewhere around 60, 80% or so will have something like that. Um, the actual psychotic reaction, so severe mania or severe depression is dose dependent and up to uh, 40 milligrams per day, it's about a 1% risk. So again, you know, the horrible thing is, is that people have attempted and, and, and completed suicide from this because they felt so horrible from these steroids. And had they known that, uh, that they just stop the medication, it would go away. So that's the big one. But there's also blood pressure, blood sugar, uh, those types of things. Um, the, those are the big ones that I will tell patients about. And so you review all those. Uh, do you mention avascular necrosis? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a spiel that I, I, I go through and I've got- Excellent a, use of Yiddish, by the way, for the guy from Wisconsin. The, that's right. Uh, that's right. I always have to bust, the, bust out everybody. Yiddish whenever I can. Um, yeah, so I also have uh, a dot phrase on Epic that that- says I went over it and uh, and we have a, uh, a handout. And so uh, the first time I give somebody oral prednisone, I will um, include the handout in their after visit summary and their after visit summary, the very end of the handout says, read this. And if you have any questions or uh, concerns about taking the drug, call me and we'll talk about it. And so um, so I give that to them and have that you know, again, like all informed consent. It's it's about how much they know and and how experienced. And this is, if this is somebody who's been on steroids multiple times for their asthma, um, then I I don't go into as much detail as, uh, as somebody who's uh, uh, steroid naive. You don't make them, do you make them physically sign a form or you just document that you went over it and hand them the head? I just document that I went, went over it, you know, depending on who you talk to the, the, the informed consent is the discussion rather than the piece of paper. So I just document that and go over it. And, and, uh, you know, and there are, to, to their credit, there are a lot of patients who, um, you know, listen and, and, uh, really pay attention and, and elect not to use the drugs and that's okay too. So back, back to the article. Um, so what were some of the results that you found memorable acknowledging you've obviously been prescribing steroids for a long time prior to, you know, doing this comprehensive, this comprehensive review. Is there anything that stood out particularly to you? Yeah. So, um, so it's interesting. So prior to this study, the, the published literature had said that the chance of, uh, of AVN is about uh, 0.3% or about one in a thousand is what they were uh, um, publishing. But, but that was based on about 1200 patients. Um, So it wasn't a very large study. And so we looked at um, our entire patient population. And basically the way we did it is we looked at, um, looked through Epic over a 10 year period and found that uh, about 113,000 patients had been given oral corticosteroids. 
We then took that 113,000 and looked how many people had the diagnosis of avascular necrosis. And that brought that number down to about 789. So 789 out of 113,000 is about 0.7%. We then, and this is really important, we actually validated the search by going through all 789 patients' medical records to confirm the presence of the diagnosis. And that's crucial because in this type of study, you have to validate the search methodology. Otherwise, you can't confirm the results. And, and that part gets is either unknown or, or uh, uh, not well uh, done in a lot of studies. And so going through those 789 charts, we found that 420 of them could be excluded because they didn't actually truly have radiographic proof of avascular necrosis. So they were given the diagnosis at their clinic visit to justify an x-ray or an MRI, but the x-ray or the MRI came back as negative. So they didn't truly have it. So that brought our patients down with uh, radiographic evidence of avascular necrosis to 369. And so that's a 0.03% similar to that article that I just talked talk to you about. We then crossed out all the patients who had over 10,000 uh, uh, milligrams cumulative of the prednisone. And the thought process there is, is that those really aren't representative of our patient populations. You know, so I give 250 milli, uh, excuse me, 240 milligrams of prednisone per taper. And so I, I'm not giving 10,000 milligrams of prednisone to my patients. So Sorry to interrupt, but just to, um, to just that taper, just for everyone listening, what, what's your standard taper that you're talking about? Standard taper is uh, 24 tablets of 10 milligrams. So it's 30 milligrams for four days, 20 milligrams for four days, and 10 milligrams for four days. And, uh, and and that has worked really well for me. And, and sometimes I'll bump it up to you know five days or three days and uh, tailor it to the individual. But um, But that's usually what I'll do. So again, using that 10,000 milligrams cumulative dose, if we weed out that 150 patients, we're down to 217, and that's a 0.2% incidence of, uh, uh, of avascular necrosis. The other really interesting thing about this is, is that if you look at the other comorbidities and the other risk factors for AVN, it was crazy. About uh, a quarter of patients had some sort of hematologic malignancy or disorder. And we have a big uh, uh, sickle cell uh, clinic in our uh, hospital. And so many of them had sickle cell, which in itself is a risk for avascular necrosis. A lot of them had 50% uh, had received IV steroids at some point in the past. Many of them were hypertensive. Many of them were hyperlipidemic. Uh, many of them were alcoholics. All of those were individual risk factors. And the crazy thing is if you look at the patient's that didn't have any other risk factors for avascular necrosis of those 113,000 that we started with, 11, 11 patients didn't have a different risk factor for avascular necrosis. So the question becomes, well, are the steroids augmenting the effect of these other risk factors or are these other risk factors augmenting the effects of steroids or is there no relationship whatsoever? So it's really a, it was really a fascinating result um, and, uh, and honestly, fairly reassuring to me that, uh, that so few of the patients truly had uh, um, or, or had no other uh, confounding risk factors for AVN. 
And what was, was there a difference in the cumulative dose of those patients who didn't have risk factors or is it a comparable amount of steroid? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a fairly comparable amount. You know, again, it was just about a thousand uh, milligrams cumulatively um, that, uh, that those patients had. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a huge number, but, uh, but again, that was um, three or four tapers um, of steroids. And you also, obviously not everyone who has AVN winds up with a fracture. Um, you know, some of these, some of these are managed conservatively um, and don't, you know, do, do resolve. Um, you know, was there, what was the incidence of, of that patients who had a fracture versus were diagnosed with AVN? Yeah. So the fracture rate was 0.04%. So there's only about four, uh, 49 patients that, uh, that ended up having a pathologic fracture. And, and you're right. A lot of these patients with AVN, they could be managed conservatively. Sometimes they just need some, uh, uh, some, uh, less invasive surgery. It, it's not always uh, a guaranteed, um, uh, total hip replacement. So when you look at those numbers, I mean, that seems to be, you know, acknowledging I'm not that smart and really couldn't follow what you said all that clearly. How does, everything you just mentioned compare, you know, with what was pro- published, you know, previously. It's a, obviously a much smaller number um, uh, than, than we had initially anticipated. And, and so, um, so we think that the true incidence of that is, is far lower than, than what we had thought. Um, the other interesting thing is, is that there had, uh, there was a study a few years ago um, uh, looking at the medical economics of of medical management versus surgical management. And, and the conclusion was if patients are getting more than a couple rounds of uh, oral prednisone every year or two, then uh, it's safer for them to have surgery. And, uh, and the thought process is, is that the steroids put them at risk for uh, pathologic fracture and pathologic fracture in a certain age group. Uh, uh, has a very high mortality rate and the cost of those fractures and the cost of the surgery and this and the other. And so I think that really changes those numbers quite a bit. And so if the, if the pathologic fracture rate is so much less than initially and uh, thought, then those numbers, as far as the surgical costs and, and the mortality rate and things, that uh, that drops dramatically also, and so um, I'd be very interested to see that paper be redone. That um, looking at uh, these newer numbers, and and I know Tim Smith was one of the authors, um, but I can't remember uh, who else was on that. Um, sorry, I'd have to look that up. But uh, but but I know there was some uh, talk about that well, probably five or six years ago. So the other thing I found interesting. Um, you know, more it was in the discussion section, not not in the results. It's the the analysis and the numbers somewhat changed as you made the total cumulative dose, you know, more reflective of what an otolaryngologist would prescribe for the course of you know chronic sinusitis. You know, one, you know, two courses, you know, you know, three every two years, kind of numbers. You know, you know what did what did the numbers do when you started you know adjusting for you know, even tighter for more of our patient population. We, like I said, we started off with, uh, with, um, a maximum cutoff of about 10,000 milligrams. And that was, uh, again, fairly arbitrary. And when we looked at that, the mean cumulative lifetime dose for those patients was about 3,300 milligrams. Um, 
and the mean cumulative exposure in days was uh, was uh, about 220 days. If we drop that down to 5,000 milligram cumulative dose as our threshold, then that uh, uh, cohort, the mean cumulative lifetime dose was about 1,700 milligrams. And then if we further dropped it down to 1,000 milligrams, so basically only looked at the patients who had a uh, thousand milligrams or less of total steroid dose, that um, uh, uh, mean cumulative dose was about 500 milligrams. So that's about two of my um, uh, normal steroid uh, uh, tapers. So you know, again, it can happen. There's no question about that. But again, that's when I think you have to start looking at more of the uh, the comorbidities as well. Yeah. And, and reading you know through the numbers of the shortest duration and shortest dose, I mean, there were some scary low numbers there, you know, with an N of one, right? Yeah, though, um, right. You know, one or two people, and it falls in the just like everything in medicine, you know, th- th- bad things can happen, you know. Right. But, um, you know, it it is somewhat reassuring. So, has you know, what would you suggest? You know, the the listener, you know, perhaps the you know the resident who's listening to this, you know, take home from this as they you know approach their use of oral corticosteroids, you know, based on what you took from, you know, home from this article. Well, less is more, I think is a, is a good, uh, um, uh, tenant for all medications and, and steroids. There's no exception to that. Um, you know, the, the topicals are much safer than the orals. And if you can get away with the topicals, then, then you're better off for that. I also think it's just, again, a, a shared decision-making that's crucial. And just like with surgery and, and everything else, you know, I mean, we know bad things can happen with surgery and, and uh, fortunately that doesn't happen very often, but you know, no one's immune to that. So you have the conversation, you, um, you know, make sure that they're aware of those things and, and um, have them help you make the decision or have you help them make the decision is probably the better way to say that. Thanks, Dave. Um, and thanks for joining me. And if anyone listening here sees uh, Dr. Petker on an agenda talking on this, I encourage everyone uh, to to attend that um, lecture. He does a great he does a great job going over you know all of this. This has been a great discussion. And again, congratulations to you and your colleagues on your publication. And thank you, of course, to our Scope It Out listeners. This is Mark Dubin for Scope It Out, the official podcast of the International Forum of Allergy and Rhinology, signing off for now.